So, you know, obviously you can't use the replicator to make a living human. Yeah. But you, but you can use it to make, like, meat. And just he keeps making, like, just dead meat versions of himself. Like, about to get rid of four. And now he's claiming this latest one's a time loop. That's all I'm saying. It is bizarre, but, you know, at, at, at what point, how many copies of yourself do you need disposed of before you, that's just, just a procedure? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's happened often enough now that it should be like, he should be able to just press a button. But it's every time now I've got to carry one. I've not only got to get it out of his room and carry it down to the transporter bay, but I've got to do it without anyone fucking seeing me. That's the thing that annoys me. He also, it's it's the fact he's, that he's well, he's just like, look, just put the just put it out into space. D- don't bother putting it in the middle of a sun. Just, well, would it work? Just fucking whack it out of an airlock, right? Yeah. So isn't he worried about another ship coming across one of those bodies and going, uh-oh, Picard is dead in space? Especially if that isn't the first time that that's happened to them. You know, Davey works down on the bottom deck, yeah. man in the sensors. Yeah, he says he's seen four just slide along the window as we're going to warp. It's really weird, and you'd think he would just ask Riker because, geez, that man knows how to get rid of a body. Podcasts. A frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain Slug. Its ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. Um, Stardate 38, Captain Slog, Eddie, Mark, all of that stuff. Um, <laughs> this, uh, it's, yeah, sorry, it's too hot to do a proper intro here. This is the main reason I'm looking forward to it in Professor right now, it's just because I assume it's colder in Scotland. Uh, it's fine, I wore, I wore a leather jacket today. It wasn't comfortable enough to do so, <laughs> but I also didn't feel, I didn't feel like I'd made that much of a mistake. Do you know okay. what I mean? It was just, it was a bit sweaty on the walk. I, yeah. I went for a walk to do some thinking. <laughs> like a like a music video for a slow <laughs> tune, right? Did you barge past people with it? Like, just shoulder barge people as you passed them? Uh, yeah, I was singing to no one, but I had my then... eyes fixed on a set point so that they were like, there has to be... Look, I, either he's we... crazy or I am. <laughs> Did you commit copyright infringement against the Rolling Stones while you were doing this as well? No, uh, I, cre- <laughs> I, I committed a copyright infringement against the artist Will Young. Uh, because I, I went into a, a modern art museum and, and just like kept falling into things and then getting back up and going singing straight back to the exact same <laughs> uh, camera angle and then the guards were trying to throw me out and I'd throw them off and I'd run back and I'd start singing and all that bit of a verse and then I'd fucking knock something else over. And if you don't get that reference... Um, well done. Good job. <laughs> You've never seen the music video for Will Young's Leave Right Now, which I think is a top tune. Yeah, I always like that video because it's a video that, that does match up the theme of the song. Yeah. In that he, he should have left. 
correct. <laughs> yeah. And he keeps telling himself, um, I think I better leave right now. You you should do well. You cause I as far as, as far as I know, modern art galleries have a if you break it you buy it <laughs> like situation going on, right? And there's no way that you're paying just for the actual materials. Cause modern I like modern art. Right, I, I genuinely quite like modern art. I've started learning a little bit more about it from listening to like Blind Boy and stuff like that, right? And getting into performance art and like getting past my ignorance of walking into the Tate Modern and going, that's just a pile of cardboard. It's, it, yeah, yeah, it is, but that pile of cardboard represents something and it, it's a way of an artist getting something that's inside their, high, their head and mind and soul out there, right? Now, now you're right, Mark. That pile of cardboard that you fell over that represents that person's loss, on the face of it, was worth four pounds fifty-seven. But uh, yeah. on this break it, you buy it situation, <laughs> you know, was uh, seven hundred fifty thousand pounds. So on that note, you know the the bit of modern art that's the banana duct taped to a wall. Yes. Um, so that you could technically, if you go into the gallery where that's hanging and you just eat the banana, you're allowed to. That's part of the the art because mm-hmm. obviously they have to replace the banana every couple of days so the art piece is that this is being sold it's just your right if you, you buy it you're actually just buying the right to duct tape a banana to the wall in your house but yeah. say it was by this artist <laughs> yeah it's, it's quite fascinating it's yeah it's because it, i because i get into even before i was into modern art i loved getting into arguments about people who didn't understand modern art, because I just like getting into arguments with people, to be perfectly <laughs> honest, even about things I barely understand. Because um, it was just, well, if it made you feel something, then it is art. Even if the only yeah. thing that you felt was, this was, is bullshit. Yeah, if you felt anger and rage, yeah, then that it did its job. It, it guess achieved what? something. Checkmate artist. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> Um, oh, before we continue, yep. oh, I want to say something. Quick shout out um, to Duffy Connors, who I ran into at a gig last week and um, didn't understand the concept of a Zoom call, so was under the opinion <laughs> that I had moved to Glasgow. It's <laughs> 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 like, oh, you're back from Glasgow? I was like, no, no, Mark moved to Glasgow. He's like, are oh, you not up there as well? I was like, no, but he goes, but the podcast. I was like, we, we use the internet to record it. <laughs> To be fair so, to, to Duffy, because like, obviously, for for a, for whatever like six months to like everyone was using Zoom, right? Everyone in the Western world was using Zoom. It was the only way that we were getting through things. But Duffy, and again, all power to him. He decided when the pandemic came down that rather than just sit at home and get stoned like the rest of us did, he would become a porter for the NHS. Yeah, yeah. That's so fair. the fact that he doesn't now, don't get me wrong, it's fucking hilarious that he doesn't understand what Zoom is, and it's because he's actually <laughs> a bit of a fucking dumbass. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not true. I love you, Duffy, and uh, I'm really happy that yeah. you came out. Yeah, congratulations good, good job. on the bisexuality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well done. <laughs> um, and um, and it's only I you, suppose- kid. Well done for not doing it in an emotional moment and instead just <laughs> randomly insert it into what I, what I will be honest and say was quite a mediocre Duffy set. Uh, he did that set 
um, and killed with it uh, yeah. at the gig I was at. And he had an extra joke in it about how all of his friends saw that he posted the video, assumed it was just him doing material, and just like clicked thumbs up and scrolled past. Yeah. And then you'd see in the comments underneath, um, like people just going, "Oh, really good, really brave." So people just assumed he'd like had some really avant-garde material. <laughs> um, and then went back and watched it, and he then saw that he he'd come out as bisexual. And I just want to point out that Duffy, that is exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my brother had to text me and be like, "Did you actually watch that video?" Is it... No, he, no, my brother. I think my brother saw that I'd liked it, so he was like, "Good for Duffy." Eh? <laughs> I was like, "Uh." Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a good point for us to bring up. Fucking Tina. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So, uh, Tina Kelly, who is a very funny, very very funny woman, and uh, a, a friend of both of ours, uh, passed away. Uh, yesterday. Uh, apparently, yeah, I saw uh, Carl from GMB posting about it, and it was uh, cancer, and. I just want to say, it says something about how nice a, and funny a person she was, that bear in mind how much everybody in the open mic circuit in London hates each other. There's not a single person who's got anything negative to say about her. No. Gen- one of the nicest people I've ever met, and her the, her psychic suit was funny, but uh, just a non-character stand-up is still... I, it's the first time I've ever seen. I was I was watching her at the Galvanised Union with Emma, my girlfriend, and it's and I, I say this with a, a, a small amount of shame on my own part. It's the only time I've ever seen her cry with laughter. Uh, <laughs> yep. But yeah, uh, yeah it's a sh- I I always because I I booked that show, the Galvanisers <laughs> Union, um, and I'll always remember my my first memory of Tina. I have a lot of memories of Tina because she kept up with me for a long time. Um, but she, I used to run it through email, so if you wanted a set, you had to email me, and most people just sent the same email, um, and uh, I, the the only difference is one, the only other person who, did, who didn't do what I asked them to was Bill Egan, uh, <laughs> because I once said, uh, you can email me, but you you know there's there's eight available dates, but there's so many comics, like I'm only going to give you one day out of the eight available. And he immediately emailed me and said, can I just, I, I saw what you'd posted, but can I just do all eight? <laughs> and I went, yeah, of course. Uh, obviously you can. Um, Tina Kelly, the wonderful Tina Kelly, uh, emailed me the worst, the, grammatically the worst <laughs> email I've ever seen. Um, it, 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 if it made 10% less sense, I would have assumed uh, that her cat had written it for her, uh, and she—it was—it was awful, right? It was—it was—it was like the email equivalent of like a five-year-old's handwriting. Um, and she sent it, and then she sent me a second email that says that said, "Oh, sorry, I forgot to attach the video to it. Here is the video. No video." <laughs> <laughs> she then sent me <laughs> a third email saying. Someone along the lines of, I know how this looks, but I promise I'm really smart. Can I please have a 10-minute slot? And what I was offering was five-minute slots, so immediately I was like, yes, of course you can have a 10-minute slot. This is fucking, <laughs> this is lunacy. Uh, and, then, and then it turned out she was an, an incredibly, incredibly talented woman, and the, the London open mic circuit is a, quite a sadder, darker place. Uh, now that she is no longer a part of it. 
yeah, yeah. Okay, but I don't know a... if you have any booze, but I'm go- I've got a, I've got an open got... bottle of whiskey. So cheers. I've got cheers a water, so cheers. Mm. <sighs> yeah, and now. Now back to the, the, the fun subject of, of, of Star Trek and, oh yeah, Nichelle Nichols died. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's, that leaves Kirk, Sulu and Chekhov. Oh, get, there's, get those three in a room. <laughs> I'd love to be a fly on that wall. I bet Walter Koenig would probably just be the fly on that wall. <laughs> I, can't, I, 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 he, I imagine he would come out and say something like, it's quite weird that I wasn't able to get a word in edgewise to the awkward, pointed silence. <laughs> yeah, what's, what's, yeah. Sorry, obviously we, we're, we're doing the, the, the old Bechdel test thing of let's pay tribute to a woman by talking about the men in her life. But Shatner and, <laughs> Shatner and Takai, they still don't get on, do they? No, I think they're very. I, I think that they've very publicly like buried the hatchet in a way of like look, we still want to make money off Star Trek, and <laughs> yeah. we might have to be in the same room as, as each other. Um, and I, I will say, as much as I don't like so like like Shatner's recent like woke like oh Star Trek's too woke bollocks was like oh, Gene Roddenberry likes it. Well, Gene Roddenberry likes some shit. Yeah, will exactly. Um, but I, I will always remember, and it's a good Nichelle Nichols story. The the way that they got the, the do you know the story of the first interracial kiss in Star Trek? I I do, but tell us. Yeah, so uh, they were filming uh, filming this scene. Uh, I think it's called like Zeus's puppets or something like that. I can't remember the name of the episode. But there's a god that's controlling the crew of the Enterprise, and one of the things he he does is he makes Uhura and uh, uh, Kirk kiss, and the network wanted. Um, two versions of it a version with the kiss and a version with a hug that they could play in the southern states <laughs> and um, Shatner completely on his own and without any like input from anyone else it's kind of a hero move uh, for me uh, just deliberately was an absolute cunt that day on set so that they would only have a chance to do two takes for the, the kiss and on the first one they did the kiss and on the second one they did the hug it was only when they got back to look through the dailies that it turned out whilst they'd been doing the, the hug, he'd look straight at the camera, done cross-eyes and stuck his tongue out. Yeah. <laughs> so rendering the take unusable. But, yeah. um, uh, and the other initial Nichols story you've got to tell is the classic one, like she wanted to quit Trek after oh, like, season one. I, I, so this she, is my favourite story. Yeah, uh, She wanted to quit after season one and gave Roddenberry her notice two weeks notice or whatever just a notice of quitting because she was going to be getting a really really good job on Broadway Jean took the notice put it in his desk drawer and said look take the weekend if by Monday you still feel the same way then that's fine you can leave that weekend she went to a convention I think it was it was almost a sort of Star Trek fan convention no sorry I'm talking shit it was the NAACP uh, convention, which is not a comic con, uh, far, <laughs> far from it. It's quite important. And... I mean, in fact, quite the opposite of what comic con was for many years. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so she went there. She went to her green room and was told, "You, uh, there's a Star Trek fan who wants to meet you, Miss Nichols. She's imagining some nerdy kid, right? Pimples and red hair and glasses and that." And she stands up and she turns around and there in the doorway is Dr. Martin Luther King. 
and she just obviously thinks, well, whoever that Star Trek fan is is going to have to wait because Doctor King's here. <laughs> and he rocks over and he's like, "That's me. I am the fan. We love Star Trek in my house. It's the only show that we let the kids stay up to watch. Uh, it's so important what you're doing because obviously she was like the first." person, the first black woman on television who, as Whoopi Goldberg puts it uh, paraphrase wasn't playing a maid <laughs> so yeah, she uh, was playing essentially, she was essentially playing a glorified space receptionist, but that's yeah, yeah, that's no, a different, yeah. but still a very big leap for the time and that's um, what King said Dr. King, he said, you know you, you've done such great things you've, you've shown the, the white community that, that black people can go into space and can ha and can be valid and then she said oh well i mean it's been wonderful but hopefully i can do more at, at my other jobs king then says well, what do you mean she replies well i've quit star trek and he just replies, <laughs> no you cannot you <laughs> you cannot quit star trek uh you have to yeah. go and you have to find gene and you have to tear up that notice you cannot quit um and, yeah. I, and obviously if Dr. King tells you something, you can't do something, that's fine. Grand. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I'll take it's that. that thing of, it's the thing of, it's, it's one of those things, it doesn't seem as important as it actually is. Like, there's a, there's a, 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 a anecdote floating around Hollywood now where somebody said that the Fast and the Furious franchise making as much money as it has, has done way more for getting diverse casting in movies than any, like, letter writing campaign. I, I agree. And, I and it's the same, that. and it's the same with this. Is like, yeah, they put uh, like it, uh, after Star Trek, having an all-white crew in your science fiction movie looked stupid. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, because I've always it was, you can always tell what the big social struggle is by what's the big thing that's in all science fiction movies. So nineties, every good science fiction movie has a black president. Right? Yeah. Um, right. Whereas, whereas after we and then Obama becomes a black president, so science fiction movies go move on to openly gay military officer. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, I, I don't know. And, and obviously, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds has decided to tackle the social problems of trans pirates. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something that the pirate community has been supportive of for years, but just hasn't been able to tell anyone about it. Look, I'm, I'm going to say this right now. It might be a stereotype, but I'm just going to say it. Trans people are more likely to resort to thievery on the high seas than any other social group. Uh, they know it. We all know it. It's about time somebody had the balls to say it, Mark. Why uh, isn't Rishi Sunak <laughs> bringing this up in the debates? <laughs> what do you want? Um, you want pirates teaching your kids? <laughs> Their grammar will be all over the fucking place. <laughs> well, uh, 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 I've just got to do my favourite pirate joke. Right. What what's uh what what what's a pirate's favourite letter? Um R. No, no, his first love is the C. <laughs> what? The letter C. Oh, <laughs> oh. It's, it's not a good joke, it's just my favourite. Anyway. Anyway, eighty nine. Good run, Michelle. Thanks for everything yeah. you did. Here's one for you. Cheers. Right. Let's talk about this episode of fucking Star Trek. Um, Times Squared. There's two Picards. Yep. That's it. Right. Here's, I've, I've got a question about this episode. Riker has eggs. Ah. Yes. 
<laughs> What's your question? They don't enslave animals for food. That's like a Riker line, like he said to like the guy in the the fit. It's the ve- like Star Trek's vegan. He, so what's up with? I looked this up. He picked them up on a starbase. Okay. Because they're not chicken eggs. Oh, okay. Uh, they are from a sentient species, making it even worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why they taste so disgusting. Uh, he. Uh, Oh, 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 one, oh, one, oh, one, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Oh, apparently I, it was uh, right. Here's here's its uh, memory alpha uh, entry. It was an animal, and Owen was. That's okay. quite specific. An animal that <laughs> played eggs. Last one. <laughs> instead of giving birth to live young, yep. They were a delicacy. Were a delicacy, not to everyone's taste. Uh, Riker purchased some on Starbase seventy three. And use them to okay. prepare an omelette. This is one of those things where it's like it's mentioned once, and I don't need more lore. Don't don't devote half a season of discovery to this, like they did with the Klingons' <laughs> foreheads, right? I'm fine. Because okay, so I've got I've, 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 there is a good theory about the whole vegan thing that Steve Shives has got, and I think it might be the case. Riker specifically says they don't enslave animals, so maybe they still like you can eat meat, but you've got to go out and like hunt it yourself. Which, See, on the one hand, seems more fair, but only if you don't take a phaser. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can only do it for bow and arrow. That's like on the on the, the the rare occasions where I'm like, no, you know what? I'm I'm doing it. I'm taking the plunge. I'm going to go vegan. Uh, that's kind of the, the 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 thing that I subscribe to. Is the only time I am allowed to eat meat is either if I hunt and kill it myself, or I'm really stoned. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm sure the animals would be happy with that. I I employ the the Brock Lesnar argument, which is that Brock Lesnar hunts animals with a long bow and like then kills and eats and like butchers them himself, and that's I'm, I'm fine with yeah. for two reasons. One, it's like completely ethical; it's carbon neutral. You're doing the very basic human of the land, and two, I'm never going to argue with Brock Lesnar about anything. <laughs> massive and terrifying. And he has a long bow. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, because. I I don't I guess they maybe don't explain it in the episode because Laura asked the same question, but you would still be able to get fresh eggs from the replicator. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's. Is that like I like the idea that it's like specifically no, we had a run in with like another species. Yeah, maybe there's maybe there's species like lay eggs and they love people having them. Like they're sentient and they're like have some of those. Well, you get fuck. Yeah, it'd be like imagine if. Um, I, well, I mean, I was going to say, like, imagine if it turns out there was a species that just loved eating human poop. But to keep it with the eggs, imagine there was a species <laughs> yeah. that we discovered that just loved period excretions. Yeah. Like, human period I mean, excretions. Like, would we, be, would we be fine? I guess probably would be, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess they'd, they'd, I'd, I'd, be stunned if, I'd be stunned if there wasn't immediately, like, an OnlyFans-style service set up. Uh, <laughs> and, if they, and if that if that species came down to earth and was more advanced than we were, but maybe as morally sort of grey also as we were, and they discovered that they they really loved <laughs> human women's excreted eggs, they just yeah. do the same thing that we do to chickens, which is to kill all the men. Yeah, and so then just enslave all the women. So really, well I'm hoping it, it doesn't them. happen because I actually have skin yeah. in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 beyond just the social awkwardness of having that interaction of like, oh, what are you having for dinner? Oh, sorry, I asked. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I've got a question. A, a question about the actual plot of the episode. Is it it's two why, super cards? Why does the why, why did Riker say he's serving an omelette when he's very clearly making scrambled eggs? Yeah, that is part of it. He couldn't get any cheese because there's no species that's fine with you taking their milk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, so there's there's so first of all, G two classic. Um, like old school TV techniques, the two Picards can never touch. Yeah. So they they don't. Are they working under time cop logic, where if you touch yourself from the past, you cease to exist? I hate that logic because it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. And the, the same matter can't occupy the same space twice. But they're not in the same space. <laughs> that's the yeah, point. That's, also fair. <laughs> that's. I love time cop, but that's such, it's such a terrible rule. Um, it's it's a rule that only exists to get around the fact that they can't touch each other, which is even more bizarre given how many times John Claude Van Damme has played twins. Yeah, it's like yeah. three separate occasions, and they fought each other. So you can get you, yeah, bizarre. The Time Cop's a great movie. Um, um, <clears throat> do you have a time? Do you have a time travel password for myself? Yeah, no. Well, you should have. So this is a I've had since I read the third Harry Potter book. Where there's a discussion about how wizards have accidentally killed themselves from the future because they've like walked in and seen something up. So this is just my advice to everybody listening: just think now of a password. Don't tell anyone, and that way, if a version of you from the future walks in, they can say that, and then you know it's them. You know it's you. I don't. I'm not going to come up with one. I don't think I need one <laughs> uh, because if someone who looked like me but older came up to me and said, "I am you from the future." I'm more than happy to just take that on faith. That's and how you get. That's how you get done by a shapeshifter, Mark. Have you learned nothing from Star Trek? Not even just a shapeshifter. <laughs> See if just a con man who looked like an older me, like if uh, if Philip Seymour Hoffman had survived and 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 got a bit older, uh, and I I look quite a bit like like that's what that's my future, right, Philip Seymour Hoffman? Um, if he if he perfected a Glaswegian accent, come back and said to me. I'm I'm you from the future. My first reaction would be, "Aren't you Philip Seymour Hoffman, the actor?" <laughs> what did you, I know that your roles have dried up in the last ten years, and that's why you're now having to resort to quite elaborate cons. <laughs> but he would say, "No, you know that you look like Philip Seymour Hoffman. You actually don't. You actually you just have a, a, some features in common with him. You don't really I'm... look like him, but you have convinced yourself enough." that you look like Philip Seymour Hoffman. And you've told this to other people, you've been like, I look like a young Philip Seymour Hoffman. And you can see it in their eyes that you don't, right? But <laughs> at, at that point, if Philip Seymour Hoffman had the gumption to come up to me and say, I'm you from the future. Uh, this Now, here's the thing. I, I know you've always said that immediately before you go back in time, you will learn the lottery numbers closest to when you're going to get there, right? But the thing is, we didn't have time to do that. Because time travel can sometimes be a bit of a surprise. You, you don't always know when it's going to happen. Uh, so I didn't learn the lottery numbers. So what what we need to do is, I know that there is a lottery, and I vaguely recall that one of the numbers is seven. But in order to kill, to have this spread, I need £25,000 off you right now <laughs> to buy a lot of tickets. To buy every iteration of the lottery... Numbers that has the number seven in it. Can you give me that twenty-five grand? I would be like, I know that this is a con, but I, I have to respect that. That's 
Good job. Well done. I think if he did give me a password, I'd be more suspicious. <laughs> what what I love about this scenario is that your your self-esteem is simultaneously high enough that you decided you look like Philip Seymour Hoffman is a very a, a very in my opinion quite an attractive man. But also simultaneously low enough that you don't believe you'd be able to see through his con. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I imagine I would be able to see through his con, but I would respect that he tried it. You, you'd want to believe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think oh. I'm any less attractive than Philip Seymour Hoffman. I, I mean, he had full. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm not. I'm no, he just. He just. He you. just looks better because yeah. he's famous, Eddie. And he's got makeup, and like people like taking all of his flaws out. So yeah, just on that basis, I think that he's he's edging you out. I've got piercing blue eyes, mate. I mean, yeah, my chin, my chin, like, I don't have a weak chin. I wouldn't go In that fairness, I'm looking at you, I, I am, I'm looking at you over Zoom uh, on a small screen with not particularly great lighting. So that might be playing a, a hell of a hell of a role. Oh, yeah, you look all right. Thanks. I've never looked at your face before. That's turned on my studio lighting <laughs> that I keep for when I green screen mortgage advisors. <laughs> so that it looks, it looks less like I live in a chateau. <laughs> with a fucking half-finished Ghostbusters proton pack that really by this point I should have done more on, uh, <laughs> but annoyingly I, I can't get the I can't get the tubing to bend in the right way. It keeps getting kinks in it, and, I, and like like everything else in my life, uh, if there is even a minor inconvenience, I'll just stop doing it. Oh yeah, yeah this is why relationships instant... never last. If I'm not instantly great at something, then I assume that that thing is fundamentally not not of value. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, but... um, so there's two Picards. So a, a Picard shows up. No, they find they find a shuttle from six hours in the future, and they. Right. So I have you looked into like the making of this episode? Because I discovered something about this episode that makes it way better than it actually was. Um, I, I know I didn't. I didn't actually weirdly. This is why I didn't do any extra googling on this one. Um, so but yeah. they find the shuttle. They bring the shuttle in. There's Picard. He's conked out, yeah. right? Uh, but then they find that they, they they plug the shuttle into the Enterprise to try and power it back up, but they can't get it to power back up. And there are yeah. signs of an antimatter explosion, which that... Picard spots immediately. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's like oh, that's an antimatter explosion. Like it's like one of his four things that are always at the front of his mind. Yeah, history, like... <laughs> Sun Tzu, antimatter explosions. Uh, and uh, and 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 it, uh, 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 relaxation light, like the, the yep. difference between an indica and a sativa, relaxation light. Um, yeah. And fear, that's last fear. Him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he, uh, so then we discover that the, the the ship can't be put, the shuttle can't be powered on unless they yep. bring in like a phase reverser or whatever. Basically, yeah, they, they have reverse to reverse the power it. Yeah, they reverse yeah. the polarity, which immediately makes you go. Oh, this is like a Picard from an opposite universe. Yeah, which is interesting, but then that that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, it, it also it also I feel it, this also the my the assumption I would have had is that the our let's let's okay fuck it we're gonna have to name them both so let's go with the the Picard who is on the bridge at the beginning of the episode is Picard Prime. Let's and... just say Picard and opposite Picard. Picard and opposite Picard. My logic would be that opposite Picard, because they say as he's moving closer to the point 
that he came back on, he's becoming less reversed. Yeah. Right. So my logic would be that when they reach that point, he takes over the Enterprise and Picard goes back in time and it closes the time loop. Yeah. And instead, what happens is Al Picard kills him. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, Oh, a bit about that. When he, after he's killed him, bear in mind they're in the shuttle bay, the one room on board the Enterprise that... O'Brien watch. Fucking Chief O'Brien has no reason to be in, right? This is like, there should be a friendly rivalry between shuttle bay and transported bay, surely. Yeah, exactly. They, they, <laughs> you, there. you would think they would have football teams. Yeah. Like, I by the side. He, the only reason he could possibly be there is that Picard's had to call him up and be O'Brien. I've got another corpse I need you to get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh fuck it! I'll just beam it into the middle of the nearest sun. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it was bizarre because also Colin Meaney got a guest starring, like special guest appearance credit this episode, and he gets one line. <laughs> and other than that, his only performance is to stare at the corpse of opposite Picard. Who, whoever, wait, wait, the and cast also, of uh, so Picard. Picard radios in. So Picard kills opposite Picard. We'll get back to the actual plot, right? <laughs> so yeah. Picard kills opposite Picard. Yeah. Right, no, right. We're gonna like let's fuck it. Right, so so Picard opposite Picard arrives and it turns out opposite Picard is from six hours in the future. Yes. The uh the shuttle has could... a log that shows the yeah. Enterprise blowing up in an antimatter explosion in the middle of a space vortex. Opposite yeah. Picard can't communicate. So immediately everyone is like, why was it Picard that was in that shuttle? That's bizarre, because traditionally the captain was the last person to leave the ship. And specific, that's that's traditionally, but also very specifically, Picard would never leave the Enterprise in no. a time of peril. Exactly. Um, so why Picard, right? We then get some discussion throughout the episode about... Uh, the way that time travel works and the way that kind of opus like the way that different decisions will create different universes all that might just i might be getting that mixed up with an episode of the orville that i saw this week as well yeah Uh, but they do i was gonna say quick point about the time travel that i love is they specifically address the time travel episode from last season yeah um and they also specifically address slingshotting around a star yeah to go back in time a la star trek uh star trek Four? The Voyager? Yes. Yep, 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 four. So, this Picard who can't communicate with them can't tell them why he went back in time, but they know that in six hours the Enterprise is going to blow up. So, they basically have to say, what is the decision that Picard makes that leads him to the ship to explode and him to escape? The end of the episode is then Picard deciding, uh, what I'm not, because opposite Picard tries to get in the shuttle to then go back in time six hours again to rewarm the yeah, Enterprise. He, but he is of the belief that the uh, that the disturbance is centered on him, so leaving the Enterprise will basically sacrifice himself. Yeah, that's that's his uh, opinion. But but yeah, our Picard says nope, that isn't the case, and shoots him dead. Just to, which to, you know, I guess that goes to show that. The fucking, uh, you know, the, the levels to which Picard will go to to save the Enterprise, uh, and it turns out that the decision to just stick, 
they have to fly out of this vortex that they're stuck in, but his decision to fly towards the centre of the vortex after having killed himself is what saves the ship. He yeah. then, immediately after killing him, um, calls Pulaski and O'Brien to come down to collect the corpse, but doesn't stick around to explain why there's a dead Picard. <laughs> he just he yeah. just runs past them going, I can't explain, I have things to do. Yeah. Um, now, now to, to quote a, spe- a specific line of dialogue from Deep Space Nine, um, which is one of the best lines of dialogue in the history of Star Trek, which is, killing your own clone is still murder. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this is a murder. Like You can't just say, oh, it's me from the future time backwards, so I get to kill him. That's That can't work. That's not allowed, surely. Yep. So that's still, he's committed a fucking, uh, yeah. It's just whether or not anybody wants to pursue it. <laughs> no. Get this. According to the uh, the person who wrote the episode, this episode was supposed to lead into Q Who, which is a Q episode that's coming a couple of down the line, right? Oh, yeah. And they said, the way it was originally designed is that three episodes later, they're going through space, and all of a sudden, Picard finds himself stuck in a shuttlecraft in a flash, and he sees the ship falling into the top of the vortex and exploding. He thinks he's lost his mind. Q appears and says, Hey, how you doing? Picard says, You caused that and all these other things. Q. Oh well, surprise you didn't put it together earlier. Oh well, you are slow. Just kind of a calling card, something to do. Interesting, wasn't it? So the reason that Picard was the one on the shuttle is that Q put him there. Oh, okay. the idea was nixed by Gene Roddenberry. However, Hurley then complained that it added confusing confusion to the ending because why then would falling further into the vortex's centre save you? It doesn't make any sense. But it does if Q is pulling the strings because it makes it into a test for Picard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would be better. Yeah. But then it's the... I, I suppose it's the idea that, like, the, back in this era of, like, very episodic storytelling, you can't wouldn't have been able to get away with that too much I don't know because it's not like people could go back and watch the episode yeah if you hadn't seen this episode that next episode's confusing as fuck yeah exactly yeah and you end up with a situation where like people stop watching X-Files because it's like look I've missed one episode and now I've got no idea what's going on (laughs) because you've stopped going to towns and dealing with problems Um, and now it's just who's got the black goo who's a shapeshifter anyway but yeah that's that's intriguing I like that. That's more interesting. But I also want to bring up the fact that if if a duplicate of myself turned up, I'd definitely trust some weird sex shit. Uh... I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> because I know the idea of, like, if you're jacking off a clone of yourself, is it gay sex or is it just masturbating? There's still a dick that I'm... Like, if I... <laughs> if, I if my own penis stopped giving me sexual gratification i wouldn't keep playing with it i just accept <laughs> that, it, that that's just a thing that i don't do anymore right so there's no way that if if a clone of myself showed up right and this clone of myself again suspiciously looks a lot like philip seymour hoffman <laughs> who must have faked his own death and is like the only way to save the future is for you to wank me off 
I'd be like, ah, oh, I don't know about that, me. Um, I, why... I think you tracked in the original Rick and Morty cartoons, aren't you? The only way that I... <laughs> look, the, I, 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 I've said this before and I'll say it again. The only way I will wank off a clone of myself is if that clone doesn't have arms. <laughs> yeah, as 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 we discussed leg, at length in a previous incarnation of this podcast about the Venus de Milo, um, that's just a disability, and you've got to be willing to help out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't because because why 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 do it? Even if he was like, we could wank each other off, I'd be like, I could just go and wank myself. You could sit in the fucking cubicle next to me. No, don't do that. No, don't sit in the cubicle <laughs> next to me because then when one of us finishes before the other, the other one is going to feel guilt and shame and weird about that, and they're not they're not going to finish. So you're you're going to have to do it. You're gonna you're going to have to go to holodeck three. I'll go to holodeck two, right? And. We're not going to compare notes. We're not going to be like, so what did what did you do? What, what, what did you use? What program did you use? Like, I'm not interested. Like, because I get because I get quite terrible um, post orgasm shame. Not so much when I'm with my fiance because after an orgasm I'm just like, well, that was a wonderful bit of relationship, um, a ceiling of the relationship covenant there. Um, yeah, it's acceptable under the the church doctrines under which we were both raised. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> which so you think you think you've gotten away from, but they're just there, lurking in the back of your head. So you should feel bad about literally everything. I don't. Uh, I don't feel any. I don't feel any shame about that. But when it's the old <laughs> the old Monday afternoon wank uh, while she's at work, <laughs> and I'm just like, and after it, I'm like, Pornhub has destroyed a lot of lives, and I've, and I've just <laughs> contributed to that. <laughs> Oh. But yeah, it's, it's... have you seen this new thing that, that YouTube does, where um, <laughs> if you look at the timeline when you're watching a YouTube video, there's like a a, a kind of waveform almost sort of thing above the timeline. Oh and right. Basically, what it is is it's the uh, the points that most viewers have watched that they find that. that the points that most viewers will like go back and rewatch, okay, which is obviously like an analytics thing to show you the creator. I don't know why they make this public, but it's to show you the creator. I don't know if they do make it public. Maybe it is only the creators that get to see it, but it shows you the creator what part of your video is the most interesting. But if you're say yeah. a woman and you are say even anything slightly above unattractive. Uh, and you say have a podcast where you do ASMR about getting a pedicure. Like it, it's it's really obvious. <laughs> it becomes really <laughs> obvious what people are watching your videos for, and it must see, be it, quite disconcerting. A public facing version of that would be useful on porn. It is. It, so like, let they, let they, me they know. Actually, where... got the idea from Pornhub, but that's on. Yeah, porn. I want it. Oh, good. Yeah, I want to jump. Let, get, get, I don't care why. I don't care what fucking it, fucking appliance is broken. Yes, yeah. that's, it. that's literally why we put it. It's because it, because it's it's automated. Uh, it's it, it's it's automating how to skip the story. Because <laughs> you used to have to look at the comments, and the first comment would always be, 
they can start at like five five oh six because I, I five minutes in that's like because I, I I like to watch porn with good stories. Um, <laughs> I like I like, yeah, I like a, a, I like a bit, bit of dialogue. Yeah. Get me invested. Give me a reason. Give me a reason to believe. I like um. <laughs> uh, someone. So I was watching a video the other day that was talking about things not to do in your short film, uh, and it was uh, like and, the and, terrible was, cliches, was it, right? Right. But uh, one of them that's now my where it's uh, don't show your character waking up. It's it's been done, right? You're you're, you're never gonna you're never gonna beat that. Obviously, yeah. when you show a character in like a morning scene before they go to work or something, what you're doing is you're establishing whether that character is a bit of a mess. And he gave a suggestion that I'm like, I am stealing that. That's mine, right? Is if you want to show your characters in a bit of a mess, don't show them waking up in their rooms a, a mess. Show them getting into a shower, realizing there's no body wash, and then going out to the kitchen and getting dish soap. <laughs> it's like a really nice little shorthand for showing that your character's a bit of a fuck up. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm always of the opinion that if you want to show that a character's like unreliable or like late or anything like that and doesn't have their like shit together, you, your waking up scene should be from inside the living room, looking out at the hallway with the stairs going down, and it should just be that character flying down those stairs and running out the door, <laughs> like half like putting a fucking like shirt on. Yeah, because that that tell, you don't need to show him waking up, but you've immediately established, oh, he's late for something. Yeah, so important by the look of it, he's trying to put on a tie. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> the, the best waking up scene in history is still the opening of um, uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, which has Hugh Grant say the word "fuck" about a thousand times. I've never seen it's that. A, as so the um, it's 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 got a reputation that movie is like quite a nice twee film, but like the the like I think the first twenty words of the script are just Hugh, Hugh Grant saying fuck over and over again because it's like he wakes up, looks at his alarm clock, realizes his alarm didn't go off, and he's now late for a wedding, and he just goes fuck fuck fuck, and then it's like the entire like montage of him quickly getting ready and waking up his flatmate and getting everything together to go is just him saying fuck repeatedly over and over again. Did David Simon rip that off for the wire? <laughs> Um, possibly? Because uh, you've seen that scene, right? In The Wire. Yeah. Oh, fuck. 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 Yeah, yeah. David Simon, is... ripped that, David Simon ripped it off of Four Weddings and a Funeral. And see, yeah. even if he didn't, I'm going to start the rumour that he did. It, it's, just another, it's just another instance, Mark, of black stories being told by stealing white art. <laughs> 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 Shakespeare would be rolling in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, disgusting. Uh, I don't really have. I, I, I. This wasn't. This isn't a bad episode. It's just not particularly interesting. Not nothing really interesting happens. The the solution isn't anything they they like. It's not a technological solution that they work out. Yeah. It's just there's a there's a ticking clock inherent in the structure of the episode. Yeah. And as it gets to the end, the solution becomes obvious. And the, and the thing is, it's it's not like something that Picard Picard works it out on kind of a split second, but yeah, he doesn't. He would have figured that out maybe on his own. And there's a lot of like conferencing yeah. in this episode, which is my favourite. Like my one of my favourite tropes in Star Trek is that, especially in Next Gen, and and they're and they're really bringing this back in Strange New Worlds. Is we have a problem, let's all sit down and very rationally talk over how we're going to solve it. 
Yeah, I mean, you say that in strangely well, it's very rationally until you get around to Lahan, who's just like, can we kill it? <laughs> yeah. like, every time, even when that doesn't fit at all. She might be one of my favourite Star Trek characters. I love her. Yeah. Uh, but but no, yeah, I, I do I do know what you mean. Like, there's a lot of sitting around and discussing. But so this this episode does, it does, it. you can do two things with an episode like this. You can have really clever solution. Oh, we've worked out that Picard's talking backwards. So the Universal Translator in reverse is able to translate for us something fun like that you could do that like a lot of yeah. technical stuff to get him to give you the very important bit of information that you need or you go full philosophical like how does like because i feel it's very clear that the the second picard is supposed to represent doubt like from his appearance like makes picard start doubting all of because he knows that there's a future where his decisions lead to the enterprise exploding so he's now second guessing every decision of his own. He's second guessing whether he's the real Picard. Like it's that's what he's supposed to represent, but it never really dives into that as like if you're going to do that episode, then the episode should be two Picards in a room. Like that's a great. That's, that's, yeah. How's that episode of Star Trek that's not been done before? Yeah. That's a great episode where you get two like your Wayne character wakes up in a room and there's another one of him, and they're both trying to con- and the other one's like, no, you're not the real one. I am. Yeah, and then they just have to sit in a room and talk through. Oh, that'd be good. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm send gonna that in as a space, right? Send that to Patrick. Get, get that yeah. in Picard season three. Uh, I am a different pitch. Uh, yeah. it's similar to what you were saying about the other Picard is supposed to represent doubt and uncertainty. Um, my pitch would be that Picard should have been dead. But oh. specifically dead on the shuttle. Okay. So he arrives dead, and then they look at the log, and they're like, "Why would he do this? Yeah. Why? What? What is the? Ah, but then how do you do the ending? Well, the well, the ending would be they'd figure out the log, saying that we have to fly further away from the vortex, and Picard, oh, yeah. and Picard is just like. It's not, and, and Picard has to come to terms, and maybe Troy has to say to him, like, you're struggling to come to terms with your own death, to which Picard is like, my own death is the least on my mind. The end of everyone else will die. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that would work. We, we, we have, we, the, only, the only option we know is that if we do A, everyone dies. If we do B, maybe, it's maybe, just every, maybe people survive. We don't know. Um, there's, other than that, there are three or four things. Like other than the broad things, there's three or four things in this episode that I don't get that I need to bring up. Right, they fire in a class one probe. Yeah. Why do probes have classes? Why do, you have replicators? <laughs> you can make everything. Why don't you just always send the best probe? That's why. <laughs> yeah, and what does a class three probe do? Do you, do, yeah. does, do you get back the results? It's just like. I don't know. Is it, it's just a GoPro. You just yeah. throw it. <laughs> it's just um, no. It just it flies in, and then a hatch opens up, and like a cartoon hand comes out with a white glove on it that like <laughs> scoops something up on one finger, and then a, and then a cartoon tongue comes out, and it goes <laughs> sulfur. <laughs> Maybe we're doing it wrong. Maybe a class one probe is the bottom one, yeah. and like a class ten probe is you just fire data. <laughs> yeah, the class one pro flies out and it's just like, yep, definitely a vortex. Can't argue with that. In the other bit, they say that when they find the shuttle, they're like, how could this be here? Shuttles don't have warp. Which is, they do. But, 
They do. Yeah. They they have their cells. Yeah. They if they don't have warp, then how the then the only purpose of them is to get down to a planet, and you have a transporter. There's no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I and think then they're, they're the also other, supposed to be used for evacuation. But I um, think they do. I'm pretty sure they do have yeah. warp. I could be yeah, wrong on they that. They do. Have, well, like, they get them back from, like, there's occasions where it's like, oh, I'm taking a shuttle back from Earth to where the Enterprise is, and it's like, it's taking a, it's taking a week. But that's still warp. Yeah. Like, you can't get anywhere in space in a week. <laughs> it takes a week to get to the moon. Yeah. But, and the other thing is, I need to bring this up, because this episode does my least favourite thing in all of Star Trek, which is the Enterprise is being pulled into a space vortex, and Geordie's on, like, down in engineering... And he goes, engines at 30%, Captain. It's like, Geordie, you're getting sucked into a space vortex. Maybe, just maybe, you should have the engines on full. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know that you need it there so we could dramatically, when you increase it, see that nothing's happened. But just from a logical, the moment you start getting pulled into a hole or the gravitational pull of a black hole or anything like that, you should just go, right, full speed ahead. Yeah. Get us the fuck out of here. Agreed. But it's yeah, it's my least favourite little Star Trek trope, and we will see it again. Uh, I know that because because uh, I because it's a thing that has happened often enough that I know I recognise it and I'm annoyed by it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm on that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, all right. Episode. I wouldn't recommend it. It's not going to change your world, but it's not a- offensive in any way. So, yeah. Go go for it. Yeah, and um, the next time we record one of these again, Mark will be again in the same room. Yes, we will. Cause, yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, bye. Bye. The Captain's Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at EdEdwardsComedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain's Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog.